Brandon Grace is committed to sharing stories, strategies, and insights that get people talking about the things that matter to them and where no topic is taboo. It's time to bypass the BS and start the conversation with Lynn Burnett and C.J. Ripka. Hey, what's going on, everybody? C.J. here and. Today's show is going to be so much fun, and with me, as always, is my very talented, my very amazing, my very best friend, Lynn Burnett. Hey, girl, what's happening? Hey, hey, awesome. This is awesome, but you know, it's different. It's different doing it this way. It's Sunday. It's weird. I can't see you. That's weird. (laughs) I know, we've been... We've been face to face for the last year and uh, now we're not looking at each other. I can't stare into your eyes as we, as we, as we discuss the things that we discuss. And that's, it's going to take some uh, adjustment. That's for sure. But that, but it's going to, that's going to change though. It will. That's going to change and we're going to, that's. We're going to let them in on something later on, but we've got a lot of things that we're going to share with you. Um, and you may have the chance to stare at us too soon. So, but that's for another time. We'll let you know. We've got, we're always got something we've got going on. So, right. On. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. But anyways, today we're going to be talking about a topic that I think we all have seen come up quite a bit. I know I've I've said this myself, even about myself a few times, but uh, before we get into the topic today, um, how was your week? Anything good happening? Nothing out of the ordinary. It was pretty, just went along, you know, just smoothed along. Yeah, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing crazy, thank God, because it was pretty, pretty, pretty busy. It's pr- pretty, um, yeah. It was busy, but it was steady. It wasn't like, oh my God, one day I'm going to like lose it. And then, you know, so no, it was good. Nothing out of there, nothing to report. No funny story. I like weeks like that. It it gets me from Monday to Friday really fast. And I, yeah. I kind of look forward to my weekends. What fast? That it did go fast. I had some disappointment this week. I hate disappointment. I had some disappointment in people, but you know, that is life that happens. Well, every time, so. every time we uh, place expectations on people and we all do this, we, we all place expectations on other, other people, but we set yeah. ourselves up for that disappointment by setting up those expectations. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I think I like to believe like the ultimate best in everybody. That is an Aries quality, It is, but that is definitely a quality of mine. So I always like, I just go with people and like, I put like the highest I expect or not expect, but I just, I just believe the best. Well, you believe the best and you want the best out of them. That's, that's kind of how it works. That's a, that is a very much a, a, an Aries trait, especially when, you know, Aries are typically those people that take on leadership roles fairly easily. And Mm. when, when you take on that leadership role, you kind of already are setting yourself up to expect things out of other people and hope for uh, amazing and extraordinary things out of people. And sometimes people just don't necessarily add, uh, match up to that. No. And I think a lot of it is because, cause I am not 
because I know the way I am. So I think I, a lot of it is I just expect others would be that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not always like that. And it's not. And it's like every time I'm like, oh, why? Why did I? You know, this just is. It is what it is. So, yeah. Well, that was the only bump. <laughs> well, okay. if without bumps, there wouldn't be you, you. You wouldn't have nothing to measure happiness and success and all that stuff. Exactly. By. So you have to have those bumps. So you have, uh, you know, a yardstick to be able to measure all these other things by. So. But I think it can be motivating as well. That's why I think the, you know, being pissed off or angry is 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 really undervalued because I find I get extreme motivation from that emotion. Yeah. Well, you. For me, it works. <laughs> being angry and pissed off sometimes it does uh, inspire other people as well. Yeah. They see what you're upset about. <laughs> they get the fuck out of your way. <laughs> well, they either get the fuck out of the way or they step up their game and they they perform higher than what they thought yeah. they could they could perform Absolutely. at. So sometimes yeah. there is value in anger as long as it's not misdirected anger. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well thought out anger. <laughs> right, as if we really think all that well when we're angry. But I actually do, but I do. Oh, Everything uh, becomes crystal clear and I think things through very well, but maybe that's just me thinking that. <laughs> but you Inside the pic- inside the picture frame, we think everything yeah. is good to go. I know. Yeah. What's happening? When you? What's happening with you? Well, this week I got to witness. This well, I didn't really. It wasn't really what I learned. Um, it's more about what I was uh, able to be part of, and that was the beginning of a chapter and an end of a chapter. And what I mean by that is, uh, Friday night I was able to go to uh, a retirement a party for a woman who had served 20 years in the air force. Wow. Yeah. 20 years. That's a hell of an accomplishment. She served mm. our country. It did the, you know, did her part in the big picture. You know, I mean, everybody does their little piece, but it all, all those little pieces add up. Well, yeah. She, uh, she went, uh, she, she served her 20 years. She retired, uh, as a master sergeant, which I want to say is an East, Seven or eight. I'm not sure. I'm not very good with uh, ranks in the Air Force. I was Army, so I I apologize to any of you Air Force folks out there that are sitting there saying, "No, that's not an E8. That's an E7." Whatever. Um, I apologize, but it was it was great. It was it was time spent with her family, with friends, and everything like that. And I got to meet some amazing people, uh, people that I would never have met had I not gone to this party. But, cool. Uh, we we were able to celebrate her ending a chapter of her life. And then on Saturday, I, I have an employee. His his name is John and he, he is such a good kid. He is a loyal employee and I got to go see him get married this weekend. And he, uh, his, him and his beautiful wife, they, they started a chapter in their lives together. And as we're sitting there talking, I, I was reminded of something that I had heard watching those old documentaries about the Roman Empire and things like that, how <laughs> men used to select wives that would elevate them in status and elevate their and help them elevate their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we're sitting there, I, I, I told them this. I, I told them that a man selected a wife to help elevate him. I said, however, 
you as a man are responsible for elevating your wife as well. Because the more you elevate her, the more she's will she is capable of elevating you. It's so much, you know, such a, a symbiotic relationship at that point. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard you say that word before. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Some of the words that come out of my mouth sometimes you surprise but... me all the time. <laughs> I love it. But uh, yeah, That's... they cool. they they got teary eyed. I got teary eyed. Uh, my their parents got teary eyed. It was such an amazing experience to be able to be there with them and be able to support them in in their beginning of their journey. Mm. Journey for sure. Wow, that's such a great thing to share with a couple. It was, oh, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't have had a better start to the weekend at all. Nice. Nice. And I did it two fairly totally sober. different things. Yeah, two very, very different things. And I, yeah. and I was able to do this without, you know, wrecking my next morning, which is really the most positive mm. thing because, well, anybody who's watched this show long enough knows I've, you know, been known to get hungover from time to time. <laughs> it happens. Self-induced, you know, self-induced punishment. Yeah. But anyhow. Yeah. But nice. That, but that kind of brings us into our topic for today. And uh, mm. we're, we're talking about adulting. Have Have you ever said, man, I don't want to adult today? You know, it's not part of my vocabulary, that word. It's really? not. Oh, man, I say that every now and then. I'll admit Yeah. It. I mean, I think maybe it's more of a men's, <laughs> in a guy's vocabulary oh, no. because you're oh, usually no. the ones, I don't know. It's just, I don't think I've ever said it. It's not part of my vocabulary. I see. That's not a men's thing because I learned how not to adult by the professionals. And that's, that's my wife and her, her best friend. Well, so. that's what I mean, right? <laughs> Like it's usually the guys who aren't doing that, maybe only 50% of the time. Yeah. So I think you're probably the ones that are more likely because you might go, oh, okay, well, I did this and this and yeah, it was silly. And so maybe I need to adult. That's what I mean. Okay. I got you. I got you. So yeah, yeah. for our audience that's listening right now, why don't, why don't you uh, kind of give them a brief uh, definition, I guess, <laughs> description of what this, uh, what this adulting thing is we're talking about. Yeah, I always do that because, you know, things get twisted, really. So I'm always one. That's probably the first thing I do whenever I prep for a show or anything. I love the dictionary. Always looking, you know, give me the definition of something because a lot of times it gets twisted in the way that people use it. And it sparks, it gets me thinking about things. If you want to start being a little, if you want to maybe become well-rounded, go to the dictionary because it will spark you into thinking things. But the definition, so I went to check out the definition and it's the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks. You know, is, is there a connection between the word mundane and Monday? Because that's typically the day that I don't want to do my adulting. But anyways. Right. Um, well, you know what's funny too is then I went to Urban Dictionary because I always then go to Urban Dictionary to see because this is where things get 
changed up, right? Which is cool though. Keeps, you know, keeps language edgy, but someone, and in urban dictionary, there can be different definitions and people can vote on it. And then there's the top definition. <laughs> the top one was like similar to the, what I just read. But then the next one was like post, post, um, I can't think of the word basic, not puberty. I don't know why that popped into my head, but post um, adolescence, that's oh, okay. it, where the light slowly dims out of your eyes or something like that. <laughs> like, oh. oh, so Friday, Friday at about three o'clock when you know you're about ready to get off work, that that post adolescence dimming of the lights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we Friday. did come across some great articles and we we've read up on all these things. At least I read through, we had a lot of articles to read and I read through probably uh, five of them and then they started getting redundant. So I stopped reading, but uh, we did find one that was absolutely amazing. It gave us a lot of talking points and Mm. I think, I think that's where we need to start. But before we start there, I do want to kind of preface this and I I do want to, uh, give the give credit to the site that we're going to be referencing, and that's the successfulstudent.org website. Uh-huh. And uh, the the article is 20 life skills not taught in school. So we're going to touch on that. We're going to talk about that whole school versus parenting aspect as well. Yeah, and this is something, you know, this whole thing about adulting, that really came about – um, from millennials, that was something created by millennials, and that's a whole other topic of millennials and the whole idea. And then you and I were talking about um about millennials before we started, yeah. and the idea of entitlement, and we see that a lot. And talking about how it's regional, and I think it depends. To, and, and looking at this list is very interesting as well. So, but I think it is regional, as you and I were talking about, um, that idea of the way they think and their mindset and entitlement. That's the big thing is entitlement. Right. And just to preface this, if you were born between the years of 1981 and 1997, you are a millennial. That is the, that's the branch. I hear this a lot and people, there are some people out there that want to, grab onto that millennial tag that are either, mm. you know, born in 1978 or 1977. And then there's some that want to grab onto it that are born in the two thousands. If you're born in the two thousands, you're not necessarily a millennial. You're the next generation after that. So yeah, just, so this is just those folks that are between 1981 and 1997 primarily. And we're not saying that there's anything wrong with them. We're just, we're we're mainly what we're saying is that there there were some gaps. Um, there are some gaps in the way we believe that things should be taught and who should be teaching them. <laughs> and uh, I think I think yeah. a lot of that responsibility falls onto the parents of millennials because sometimes those parents of millennials they were caught in that neck that generation where you had the latchkey kid thing going on. So there wasn't a whole lot of parenting in the home. Is yeah, is they pretty much left it up to you know Barney and the schools. <laughs> Barney, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and I think it is different because I don't have, like, whenever I read anything or comments or posts or articles, anything about millennials and entitlement and all of that, I don't really get that. And because I don't see it really prevalent here. And I... So I think it is somewhat regional depending, yeah, on the environment. And, you know, there is a cultural environment that exists in different areas. I've seen it definitely this past summer as I did my travels through the U.S. when I did my road trip and then going back east to New York and New Jersey. Uh, there is, there's definitely a culture. And even though you guys are just right there, it proves you don't have to go very far for things to be very different. So it isn't super prevalent here as much as it is in the United States. Now, probably in a bigger city here, not saying it doesn't exist, but probably, you know, I live in a smaller place. So I don't think it would, it doesn't show as much. And I think you're, well, you're absolutely correct there. When you're in from a smaller place, there's a, there's a different mindset of how people interact with other people. I come from a small town in the Midwest. I grew up working on a farm. And the people around me were the same way. We would go help other people when, like, for haying season or calving season or anything like that. You would have people that would go about and helping their neighbors out with those chores. And the yeah. kids were a very big part of that. Mm. Uh, from the time I was small, I, if I could lift a hay bale, I was out helping bale hay. Yeah. If I was able to walk corn, I was walking and detasseling corn or picking beans or, or weeding beans and things like that. So I think it, it is very much regional. Uh, you see the kids from the farming communities all over the country. They're, they're very few, uh, Ill, entitled attitudes when it comes to those kids, the rural, rural, I can't say that word, <laughs> rural kids, rural, rural kids. <laughs> um, it's uh, like Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo trying to talk. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, right? I think you're right. Now we're going rural kids. <laughs> anyway. Hey, you're good at that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, I think there's a lot of things that play into it, but I also think that life, well, not for them. I think it's the more the generation like your daughters and my son. I think that's a tough generation. But the millennial one, not as much stuff. That's the beginning of things. So yeah, I don't I don't know where that comes from. But and I feel I really feel bad for like the generation of your daughter and my son because they're gonna fall on the back end of the of what comes out of the millennial generation. So mm-hmm. they're going to get tagged as well. And now yeah. don't get me wrong. By the time they're in their 20s and 30s, they're going to create their own atmosphere that we're all going to be yeah. bitching about at some point. Mm-hmm. But for right now, you know, the millennials, we're at that age bracket now where we're starting to see millennials take charge and start entering the world in positions that are affecting the world. So that's why sometimes you hear people bitching about millennials, even though the millennial generation has definitely developed some of the brightest minds and have, they have created some of the most oh, amazing shit. technological booms that we have yeah. seen in, in the last decade. Yeah, every generation has something that they add to it, definitely. So, yeah, you're right, definitely. 
But you know what's funny with this is the whole, as I'm doing research and I'm seeing that there's are schools or courses in adulting. Man, there's <laughs> just courses in everything. You know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I need to open up a school. <laughs> Like, holy shit, you can, you can, you can create a course on anything. And I, <laughs> yeah. uh, when you think you've seen it all, you didn't because I'm seeing this and Stanford has a course in grocery shopping. Yeah. Yeah. And then they also had one for balancing your checkbook. Um, what, what was the other one? Princeton. The one that, that one was crazy because Princeton's an, an elite school, right? Mm, yeah. And they're, they've got a life skills class. Taking yeah. life skills. And then there's the adulting school in Portland, Portland Maine. Or, yeah. Or is it Maine? I thought it was Portland, Oregon. Okay. I thought at first it was Oregon too, okay. but it's, it was Maine, Portland, okay. Maine. <laughs> so yeah, the adulting school. It, that, it was a retreat, yeah. right? If I'm not mistaken, I, I have, I don't have the, <laughs> The ad, I don't the, know. I didn't, I, I didn't up, look, but. I didn't delve too much into it, but uh, <clears throat> that's all I needed to see. So yeah, there yeah. you go. Like we just, so there you go. For those of you listening, wondering that you'd like to start a business or just pick something and just like start like, hey, and if you create raised, a course, do whatever, cause if, there is no limits. I mean, there's <laughs> right. a guy who has a waiting list. He's, he walks people. So don't let, you know, don't, you could do anything nowadays. Yeah. So if you've raised four children and you didn't mess them up too bad, you qualify to be an adulting uh, court school coordinator. I, that's what I think, I think. I think that's that would it. be a great, great uh, career path. So anyways, so. we, uh, like I said, we have this, this site that we found these 20 uh, life skills not taught in school uh, from the successful student.org website. And we're going to go through these 20, uh, these 20 talking points. Mm. Yep. This this article, out of all the articles I read, was probably the most comprehensive, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's general, it but is, comprehensive. It is very general, but that's the problem. The, these general skills are the things that millennials weren't necessarily taught, and kids today are really not taught because of social media and things like that it's i think the social media thing has really kind of caused a problem with some of these things mm, for so, sure interferes for sure yes, so, yeah definitely interferes so the first one which i absolutely agree and i think it should be in first position and we definitely see a lack of this conversation that i think is a definite skill we see it being mutilated in various forms, but conversation is so important and it, and because it infiltrates every area of your life. Well, it absolutely does without the ability to communicate with people effectively and just have general conversation. Uh, you learn a lot through conversation about the person that you're talking to about what it is that they want or need uh, it, or just being able to relax yeah. in a in a social setting. Yeah. Or approach a difficult conversation. That's something that people have a difficult time with is approaching it. You know, how do you have that tough conversation with somebody about something? And, you know, English, the English, English classes that everybody has to take, that it's mandatory. There should be a large section in that. Maybe take out the Shakespeare part. I don't know. And, you know, actually sit down and talk about how to have a, 
useful conversation or uh, all different aspects, how to approach a difficult conversation, how to communicate. Like it's so important and it, that, yeah. However, is this something that should be taught in schools necessarily, or is this something that, because I know for us, conversation was such, such a normal everyday thing, sitting around a dinner table or sitting at the couch, watching a program with your parents. That- yeah, but you guys are different. Different? How? How's, how? how well, because you guys actually do have and have meaningful conversations. There's a lot of adults that still don't, haven't grasped how to have uh, a good conversation um, that isn't reactionary. With their children. There's a lot of, yeah, or, okay. or in general. Okay. So well, how, what are, how do they teach if they don't? They, if they don't practice it themselves or they don't understand it themselves. There's some things that parents can't teach because they just don't have it themselves. But I, I guess I was referring mainly to like when we were children, you and I were children. Yeah, different time though. Different we time, talked a lot exactly. too because there wasn't phones and gadgets and exactly. that's what you had. That was... It, right. And you, you had to have those conversations in the home and that's where it starts. That's the basis. That's the foundation of it. And yeah. we've lost that over the years, whether it be due to having to work more hours, having to, yeah. uh, two parents working out of the home. There, yeah. there are so many factors that go into, and- uh, go into the not being able to build that conversational foundation. Um, and we, we started pushing this stuff on the schools. Uh, schools necessarily where you, where you're finding your conversation isn't necessarily in the classroom, but it used to be on the playgrounds. It used to be, you know, yeah. you know, on the, at lunchtime and things like that. I remember we had a teacher that used to give us the last 10 minutes of our class to be able just to talk amongst ourselves. Yeah. So those are, that's, that's really where conversation takes place and where we start learning the skills. Can you see if that now? No. Everybody would just pull out their phone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, nowadays they pull out their phone. They start checking out. Yeah. Snapchat. That's why I think it's more important than ever now that that should be part of, because you even see parents with their kids sometimes and they're, they're on their phone. They're both on their phone. So, but you have to have a conversation. There are times, I mean, that will never go away. I don't think that will ever go away. So I think that that is one thing that there needs to be a little bit, at least start the conversation on conversation. There you go. So number two kind of supports number one. (laughs) Yeah. Which is thinking. Out of context. But anyways, yes, thinking, critical (laughs) thinking skills, uh, just having thinking uh, skill, uh, the ability to think on your own and not, you know, have other people influence every thought process that you have to be able to create a thought and be able to communicate that thought so that you can have that conversation and discuss and debate whether or not that's rational thinking or not. Yeah. Well, and because what's so important is school has really just become about everything done wrote. You know, it's a really about memorization memorize this formula, memorize these equations, memorize these stats, memorize history. Like school is so much about memorizing and then you're tested on how good your memory is. Right. 
it's either learning, it's either about memorizing or learning how to find the answer in a book or mm. going to yeah. a resource. It's not necessarily about thinking through the problem and solving that problem. It's even mathematics. It used to be more about thinking through a problem, creating a solution, where now it's about memorizing a formula or memorizing a technique or memorizing uh, even like uh, our, our um, times tables or, or uh, multiplication yeah. tables. You had you yeah. had to memorize those. They wanted you to be yeah. able to memorize all of them. So everything. So is yeah, when it's all about that. when that's how you're taught, when that is how your brain is set. I mean, the idea of thinking through life things is not. Yeah, you really need to you know have a, a problem presented. If this happened, what would you do? What if is the most powerful question you can ask somebody. Oh, definitely. So I think they need to teach this. But parents can do that. Parents could do that. That is something absolutely that you could sit down. If you have no idea what to talk about around the dinner table, just come up with a what if and just play off of it and sit around and discuss. It could get crazy, but there's nothing wrong with that. You're exercising your brain. Yeah, and I'm I'm horrible with what ifs. <laughs> I, I hate what if questions because there isn't a – because what if questions typically – are a reactionary. Theoretical. No, it's a reactionary. It's like, okay, you made this decision, but what if you would have made this decision type of thing, right? Yeah. So when you're, when you're going, when it's counterproductive in that sense where it's like, well, what if? Well, it didn't happen because they made this one decision. So there's only a what is. However, if you're thinking philosophically and futuristically, then what ifs are great questions. Then you can say, well, what if you were ever put into this situation rather than going back? And because I think that's where that that whole thing breaks down is when well, I think it's good for them for future thinking. OK, so you want this is what you want to do. So what if you can't get a job in that field or what if you can't find roommates for this place to live? What I think that gets them thinking. Sure, futuristically. You know, specifically, it makes them it makes them resourceful, right? But the question that needs to be asked reactively, though, and like I was saying, I don't like the "what if" reactive questions. Like, if someone made a bad decision, and you "what if" them to death. Well, you can't really "what if" them to death because it, well, it's already that happened. Situation, yeah. So That's maybe the better question is, well, how could you have? How could you have? Uh, made this decision better or whatever rather than saying what if because there is only a what is at that point or how could this well, yeah. decision gone differently yeah anyhow that's just me being yeah. uh that that's my personality that's Get the way i do things topic. So, um and that's that's something that's that's how i approached everything with my kids too though that's how when when they made a decision i didn't necessarily get upset with the the result of the decision they made i made i was mainly upset about the dis, the the how they went about making their decision mhm so yeah that's that's kind of that's where the thinking comes in and that's very much something that needs to be handled at home more so than in the classroom but it can be strengthened in the classroom mhm 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that'll ever happen, though. Just because of the, just because of what school is about, I don't think they have time for that specifically. They need to get the kids in, teach them this shit, and get them out. Right. Uh, so number three is one that you and I have talked about in the past. We, yeah. We we've actually done an entire episode about this topic, and I think it's something that's important because. Even people in our generation still struggle with this one. Oh, frig yeah. And I mean, I, really. And that's how to handle money. Yeah. How you view money. Um, and, and how you view money is a very big indicator as how you're going to handle it. Well, that's huge. That's just as that should be up there, like with conversation as far as importance, I think, because it's always in your life. You have to make it so you can live and buy things. And it's just that's that it makes the world go round. And it's interesting that um, I, I saw the stat that said when it comes to adulthood, 64 percent of 18 to 24 year olds felt unprepared to deal with real world finances. Sixty four percent. I, I think that number is even being a little bit generous. I think uh, I think it should be higher, to be honest with you. Because I know in my family, my dad always did the bills. So yeah. he would sit down at his desk. And, well, what are you doing? I'm just doing the bills. But he never said, well, why don't you come over here so I can explain how I do my bills. He never. Or what, what they even are. Right. He is just, yeah. I'm doing bills. Well, the bills could be anything from your gas bill to your electric bill to your health, you know, your your yeah. hospital coverage bills, whatever it is. It yeah. could be so many different things. And there's there's different ways to handle each of these bills. If you look on if you look at the statements, there's they give you options. But if you don't know those options, if you don't understand those options and how they work and how these things all go together, you can put yourself into a position where you create money problems by mishandling how you pay your bills. So your parents didn't never talk to you no, about uh-uh. bills and money and budgets and No, I never learned how to balance a checkbook until I bounced my first check. <laughs> well, there you go. That's that was useful. Right. And uh yeah, I didn't have any of that. So for me to take that knowledge and be able to you know, show my kids how to do it. It was really difficult. I learned over trial and error how to handle bills, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I know my children have seen those mistakes, but we were very open about the money we had. So hopefully they won't have to make the same mistakes we made. So you, uh, and I would imagine, I mean, uh, you guys talk to, like, you you guys talk to the girls about this here's the real deal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. And, and I've done that too with, with my son. Like I, you know, here, this is what this costs and this is what this costs. And this is how much I spend a month on this. And you have to pay for that. And Oh, all of that. I talk about it and it's very eye opening mm-hmm. to, to them. And I got, I was lucky that my parents did talk about, mostly my dad did talk about different things. So I was aware of um, different things that needed to be paid for. But I would have, now looking back, I wish there were, there were more discussions. I think I wish there was more detail in what 
was mentioned. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to sit down and explain this to you. It was just in conversation and quite casually. So mm-hmm. I just picked up on these things. But And sometimes there were conversations around things, but I do wish there was a lot more. So that's why I do it. I talk about investments and all of that thing and all of that stuff and interest and how that works. And yeah. I think it's so important. And see, and I never had those conversations with my father until I was in my thirties. Yeah. When he started talking about finding a job with the 401k, being able to invest in, in something that you can set yourself up later on, things like that. Um, and I think it's looked at one of those things you don't discuss in front of the children. You know, and I think, in the article here, it, it mentions a guy, uh, Dave Ramsey, and I've learned in the last 15 years, I've actually learned more by listening to Dave Ramsey about my personal finances than I learned through trial and error, through uh-huh. listening to my father, through talking to other people. Um, so, folks, if you if you have an opportunity to check out the Dave Ramsey show, do it. I, I promise you, you'll you'll be enlightened on a lot of topics. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that show too. Yeah, that. And up in Canada, we have um, Gail Vaz Oxlade. She's had a show uh, on TV for a long time. She is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, as well as, as uh, she has some books out too. So for my Canadian uh, <laughs> friends listeners um you may be familiar with her but she's a resource as well to check out so it's important you can't avoid it so get get like talk to somebody go talk to a financial advisor like go find out what your options are and like it's a huge topic you can't avoid it so you know there's got to be at least the basics explained so that you know you see some kids that they get a job and then they go to get an apartment and then they start seeing oh it costs a lot of money um yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes. You know, the big realization for my daughter, you know, here's a funny story. We we brought my daughter to college this year for for freshman year. She's living in the dorm. She's doing a wonderful job. And leading up to school, there are so many uh, costs associated with school that really you don't know about until you really get into that process. Mm. You know, dorm fees, your meal tickets, your, your, your meal plan. Uh, different things like that and uh it was it was kind of an eye-opener when she thought she had had everything done that she needed to get done and the next thing you know we're picking up a bill for uh shots for her dog because she has a support dog that lives with her in her dorm Uh so there's there's things that pop up from time to time you can budget all you want but there's things that pop up and you always have to be ready for those incidentals yeah yeah Exactly. I don't tell you everything up front. No, 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 nobody does. Yeah. Okay. Next one, which is another huge one that pretty much permeates your life. (laughs) Everybody's life that is so important and that people are really unskilled about, which, you know, the first one plays a big part of, and this is why, you know, conversations should be learned for is dating and romantic relationships. Um, now, that's a tough one to you. Talk about that. Like, I don't know that that's something that you teach. You know, my daughters. That's a hard one. My daughters go to my wife a lot about this stuff. Yeah. A lot. And you they're going to learn this in school. Not from the teachers. 
They're going to learn it from their friends. They're going to learn it by trial and error. But uh, for the most part, this is something that definitely has to be discussed in the home. Uh-huh. Uh, my my wife has got such an amazing relationship with our daughters. They've they've discussed everything in their dating and romantic relationship lives with each other. Yeah, me as the father, I can't handle that. I I don't know. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm a pretty open and I'm a pretty. Um, uh, accepting guy. Yeah. Until it comes to my daughters. And then for some reason, the <laughs> wires get short circuited and I don't hear the words that are coming out of their mouths. All I see is the, the repercussions of what I want to do to solve the problem <laughs> that they're, that they're discussing. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. It, it can it can it gets to be uncomfortable sometimes in, in our house, especially no. especially when they want to sit down at night when I'm trying to go to bed and the girls come into the room, lay on the bed, and they want to talk to mom about this boy did this and this boy does that. I want I should break up with him, but I don't want to break up with him and blah 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 blah. Oh my god, it just drives me absolutely batshit crazy to be honest with you. <laughs> Like, hey, I can solve and that. Girls, I'll just like, are dramatic. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and and here I'm thinking I can solve this. It's called yeah. a hand, <laughs> their throat. No problem. Yeah. But you can't do yeah. that. That that's frowned upon yeah. in society. No, you can't. But you know, this is a hard thing to. I this is a hard one. I don't know where this should fall because there's some people that grew up in households that parents have no business teaching anything about this. Well, that's true too. So, and a lot of people they have, you know, they just have a history of difficult times because of what they experienced and observed. You know, they either follow along or they go the complete opposite of what they saw growing up. But yeah, and that's that's typically what happens is you, you I see that a lot where people will get to a point and it's like, you know what, I don't want to do it that way. So I'm gonna do it this way. And sometimes that's not always the best thing. Sometimes it's great. Um it could you know, Yeah. This, I, I don't know this where this falls. One, I don't know that teaching. it's it's either or I don't know that it's school or parents really mm-hmm. I think there's I think I think this is one where uh maybe it is in the school but it's not the teachers it's they bring in like an outside yeah and they person know, you know like you have sex ed yeah, they bring still, people sex from ed the is, outside sex okay so they don't have sex ed in the schools here anymore they they have uh parenting classes oh, really yeah, no, the, now they go to, now they have parenting classes. So oh, they, they have teach, sex ed here. They touch on sex education, but the, the focus of the parenting class is to, what's the best way to put this? They, they, they give them like this electronic baby and they have to take care of this electronic baby for like three or four days. Uh, and the electronic yeah. baby, you know, cries and does all this stuff, keeps them awake at night, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Long story so short. So there's a reflection on society, which right. way society's gone, right? That, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, they have sex ed here and it goes quite in depth, actually. So, um, I think they had, they would have to do the same thing. 
bring in outside and, and run it for like, I don't know, like four weeks. And they have somebody come in that talks about relationships and yeah. Yeah. Because I think a lot of these kids, they, they have, they struggle with understanding what a healthy relationship is about. Yeah. And then if you listen to your friends, it seems like, Oh, don't text them back. No, you got to wait three days. And you know, games don't do it. And that's what ends up getting in trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that would need to be explained because exactly they're, they're learning about stuff like that from their friends and like their friends freaking know any more than they do. Yeah. When I so. hear my daughter saying that she breaks up with the guy because he was too clingy. Well, what does she mean by too clingy? What does she know about too clingy? Uh, because he wanted to hold her hand in the hallway. That was too clingy for her. <laughs> and had she just said, you know, had a conversation with the kid, if she would have uh-huh. expressed how she felt to this boy, maybe they could have developed a better relationship. Uh-huh. However, her answer was, nope, we're done. You're too clingy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So number five. Number five, the, the government. The government. Politics. We all talk about politics to our kids, right? We all discuss yeah. that in school too, right? But it's the history in school. Right. I think they actually talk about the local stuff too. Well, because Logan has had that. Like they've talked a little bit about, you know, sort of how it works and things like that, but not a lot. And yeah, we usually sit around and you hear your parents talk about it, but you're getting their, pers- you know, what they like. Yeah. Uh, government in the schools here is typically not bad. Uh, but yeah. again, I think it's a regional thing. I think some schools mm-hmm. are better at teaching about the government, not just the history of the government, but how the process works, how, uh, how the, to develop, uh, a, an opinion based on what the, what's good for the whole versus good for the one. Uh-huh. And I think that's that's really where I see a lot of the lot of the downfall is when some teachers they they impart so much of their own personal beliefs uh-huh. rather than giving all the information and let them develop that opinion themselves. But there are some teachers, there are some schools that I believe that go re- uh, go into this really well. And uh, one of those schools is here in Rapid City. And my daughter, when she went through the course. Or when she took government, she absolutely fell in love with it. And really? it was because the teacher was so non-biased. That he, he just gave them the ability to create their own opinions, let them debate in class, and let them understand the entire process, not the history of the process so much. They didn't touch as much on that as they did the current process. Uh-huh. And it helped that we were in election year, so that was... Mm-hmm. A good time for them to really dive into and understand that process as well. And even even at the very most basic, teaching them about this is how you register to vote. This is where you go and vote. This like a lot of them, and I, I see don't know, yeah. don't know. Um, and that's that's one of those things that's it's a shame. Because we have so many people that are ignorant to what's going on in politics right now. I was very mm-hmm. ignorant in politics when I came out of high school. Very ignorant. I, I had no idea. I knew who my president was. I knew who my vice president was. But that was about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's more, it's even more important to know your local, like who are your local representatives? Because those are the people that you go to for problems and that will stand up for you. If you're having a problem with a local issue, then, you know, that's who you go to. That's why you, we have these local reps. And, you know, teach them who's your local rep. This, you know, if you have a problem with this and this, this is who you go and talk to, like talk to them, because then when they have to stand up, they're going to say, you know, the people in my area, this is their concern. So if you don't even know who that is. Exactly. It it starts at your local level. It goes up to your state or province level. Then it goes into your, your Congress and and then it goes to the national level. Eventually, but I think it's it gets really there. flawed. It's a difficult thing right now. I think when I think I don't like that there's only ever two options that are always presented because when there's only two options, you're forced to pick a side. An and then or. I think that's where division comes from. <clears throat> People sure. aren't always for truth; they're for a side, and they'll just you know jump on whatever even if it, it isn't totally accurate, but because it reflects their opinion and the side they're on, they'll go with it. Right. I think that, you know, it's a little bit, I, I think they're, I don't know. I think there should be like three. I think yeah, somebody's got to keep. Still gonna get, you're still going to get <laughs> divisions though. You're still going to, you're still going to have divisions because you're going to have people that believe one versus the other versus the third. So you're still going to have that division. I know. I think it needs to go not to party, but to person. Right. And the the problem that we have is there's, you have to be one or the other. There's, it's like you're frowned upon if you have, if you look at things from an objective point of view. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, I, I see things come across all the time and it doesn't matter if it's Democrat, Republican or whatever. It just, I see things. It's like, oh, that would be good for the, for the whole group. I can uh-huh. see how that would benefit. It's like, well, that doesn't follow along your party lines. Well, so what? It doesn't have yeah. to fall upon my party lines. That's going to be yeah, that's good the for the people. <clears throat> yeah. You're either, you, you're either for a side or you're for truth. And truth can g- go across both party lines. Right. So, yeah. Government, but it should be taught. I think the most important thing is your local level. This is your mayor. These are your local reps. This is how you register to vote. You vote sometimes locally. Sometimes you're voting federally. Some like those aren't. And I see that in young people. It's like, well, where do, where do I vote? If you see that with, you know, years ago with my nieces and nephews when they were young adults, like they didn't know. Like, you know, every everybody should take their kids to a city meeting. And see yeah. how that process works in a in that setting. Yeah, they do it. You know, yeah. some bigger cities do it weekly. Some bigger, uh, some do it monthly. But they're always they always have council. meetings. Yeah, you know, city council meetings that are open to the public. Yeah, if you if you don't take your children to a city council meeting so they can see how it works, and when you do that, it also does another thing. It it puts that in their mind as to how they can speak up because they allow the floor to speak directly to the city council. Exactly. So if you show them that they have a voice, if you show them that they have the ability to affect change in their community, that's not going to do anything other than inspire them to, to understand their part in this big picture. Yeah. And who knows? It could spawn a passion within them that they could be the, a change. So, 
But number number six, uh, this this is a fun one <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> how to survive without certain technology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I love this one. I absolutely fell in love with number six. And in oh, fact, I'm sure. I, oh, yeah. I personally believe that number six should have been like number two because I yeah. do believe conversation should have been number one. I, I'm 100% with you on that one, but I think number six should have been number two. <laughs> well, yeah, because for one, clocks, telling time. Yeah. <laughs> right? That That's really the, the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I got a great story about this one. But go ahead. Go with yours first. <laughs> no, no. I was just, that's exactly, that's this thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Top thing that comes to mind is that. Okay. And I, and we see how dependent we are and how trained we become. It's just so automatic when the power goes out. So I've got this watch. It's a beautiful watch. It's a, it's a dive watch. So it's absolutely oh. huge. It It looks like. Looks like a wall clock on my wrist when I wear it. Holy shit. Very, very expensive Invicta watch. Yeah. So I wore this last night and I, I went over or yesterday <laughs> and I went to that wedding, you know, did my thing at the wedding. Well, on the yeah. way back from the wedding, I had to stop and, and drop off some stuff at my partner's house. And he had some relatives come visit from, from Colorado. Well, his relatives' kids, they're eight and five. Great kids. Amazing kids. And I got my watch on, and the eight-year-old says, Mr. Chris, what is that? So wow. I, it's, a, it's a watch. It's like, well, what's it do? I said, it tells time. Oh, well, let me see it. So I showed it to her. She goes, well, what time does it say? I said, well, what's the little hand on? It's like, well, it's four. Oh, forget it. She goes, well, what's the big hand on? I said, it's about 13. She goes, well, how do you know that? I said, because the one, the two, the three, it's five, 10, 15. And then you, yeah. then when you, but it's not quite to the three yet. So it's only one, two, three. It's only 13 minutes. Yeah. <sighs> Can't you just Mine use your cell phone? <laughs> that's the word. That's what came out of her mouth. Can't you just use your cell phone? Yeah. I was like, wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. That's so when you said clock, it just it made me laugh because that's, that yeah. was the experience I had yesterday with my watch. Yeah. That's the top. That's the top thing for sure. Yeah. Tapes, tape cassettes. Yeah. Uh, my daughter was in my daughter, very bright young mind. We're in Walmart and she sees this device. She goes, what is that? I said, what do you mean? She goes, what is that? I said, it's a tape cassette, but you put it in your tape cassette and it's got a little cord sticking out so you can plug your cell phone into your tape player or your CD player or whatever. Yeah. Really, dad? Really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, really? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> so yeah, how to survive without yeah. certain technology. I was... Wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen because there are no skills anymore, no survival skills, no uh, of any sort. Uh -huh. You take a kid out yeah. camping. You, I mean, camping has kind of gone 
I mean, which is funny because camping has kind of become the new, like, cool in thing to do for millennials. <laughs> yeah, they think they think they're like just so different, right? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go camping like it's something this something New they discovered, right? It's like, yeah, no camping, um, but yet you you go camping with them. Like my son, my my son is twenty two years old. He fits the millennial category to a T. They yeah. go camping and they literally the stuff they bring with them is is unbelievable. Their cell phones are with them. They they have you know their tablets so the kids can watch you know, whatever cartoon on the tablet to keep them occupied. This is camping. That that's your TV. When when you went camping, didn't you go exploring? Didn't you go out and learn about maybe you had a book? A book? That's the thing with pages that you turn one at a time. (laughs) Sometimes they had pictures, sometimes they didn't, folks. I mean, I'm telling you, this is crazy. I know it's a concept that's just unbelievable. But you had this book. Maybe you took this book along and it'd tell you what kind of trees you had, or maybe you could identify leaves or different insects, things like that. Yeah. That's what we did when we went camping. Yeah. And the fire was your TV. Yep. And we played cards. Oh, and cards. Yeah. Don't get me started on cards. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like that. There was, yeah. I mean, there was so much to do camping. You ride your bike, you'd meet kids from other campsites and you'd plan some big adventure thing. And oh, yeah. If we were lucky when we went camping, we didn't bring a lot of groceries with us. So if we were lucky, we got to go fishing and we'd catch our food and eat our food that we caught. Mm. That was fun. That was camping. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how to make a fire and. Yeah, and I'm glad, like, and I just have to say that was something that was very important to me when I had my son. I mean, he, we had a big fire pit in our backyard, and I mean, he he was very young, and he was taught about how to build a fire, and he was allowed to be around the fire, and he was allowed to put wood on the fire, and he was, you know, he was shown a lot of those things. I I never, and my thing was, there's going to be no video games in the house. And I always bought him toys that required him to build something. And, you know, I think he didn't get a phone till he was, I don't know, I think maybe 12 or 13. And that was because his dad got a new phone and his dad gave him his old cell phone. And I remember him coming home from his dad's one weekend going, I have a phone. Just looking at me like, he was just so disgusted. Like, I don't need, what do I need a phone for? He says to me. And I'm like, well, you know, I get, it's useful if you need to get a hold of me. Like, so, you know, he's definitely never got into any of that. And anytime he could do anything with his hands, he'd way rather do that. He knows how to make a fire. He's had a knife since he was little. He was taught about proper use and care and safety and all of those things. He was taught how to use a gun, clean a gun, shoot a gun long time ago when he was a Navy League, like all of these things. So um, he's very happy to go camping and not pick up his phone. Yeah, the the whole phone thing. That's See, here's the thing with the millennials. And uh, this isn't just a millennial thing, though. This isn't everybody thing with the with the phones 
Oh, oh, for sure. This, and it's not just them. No. It's not just them for sure. I see lots of adults who are just so addicted. It's like they just don't even know what they can't even go to the bathroom without taking their phone and right. every single time. And that's, you know, remember there used to be books and magazines in the bathroom. Well, there isn't anymore. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's usually like Reader's Digest sat in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, and the thing about the cell phones nowadays, and they they've actually have a clinical um, um, terms that cover the whole cell phone addiction thing. And it's, uh-huh. it's absolutely horrible. But, uh, you, but every you generation has had room. something and, you know, and it's not really to bash because there's going to, no. you know, as time moves on and technology is created and we move forward and advance, there are going to be new things and new challenges. And, you know, I guess there's always a, I don't know. Every generation, I think, gets bashed for whatever it is that comes out in that generation. But, yeah. but we are losing resourcefulness. We are. Because people. now we just Google everything because we have it yeah. right there all the time. And that goes back to the thinking. You know, yeah. It, yeah. So all, some of these things, they actually follow and support the other ones. So yeah. Yeah. Moving on to number seven. Seven. Well. I don't know about this one, car repair or home repair, you know, and ownership. And, and that goes a little bit in talking about money and things like that and what's involved. And I don't think, I mean, I think some basic things, but I don't think you have to know how to do everything. Yeah. And let's lump uh, number seven and number eight together, the home repair and the, and the car repair thing. And ownership and what yeah. goes involved. Yeah. As far as ownership goes, that, that really kind of goes back to handling your money. It uh, does. Same thing yeah. with the owner's insurance yeah. and stuff like that. So let's just let's just talk about the repair part by itself. Yeah, because there are certain things that everybody should know. Yeah, um, I think there's some basic things for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the the car repair, especially changing your tire, you don't you always have somebody that you can call. You don't always have the ability to rely on some stranger st- stopping and changing your tire for you. So. You should be able to check your own oil. You should be able to change your own tire. Uh, make sure, you know, change a belt on your car if a belt happens to break. Th- those are the very small, simple things. And those, to be honest with you, those are the things that I know how to do in a car. I'm not that guy that's going to rip into a motor and rebuild a motor. I can't do it. But I can mm-hmm. do those basic things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know how to replace a belt, but I can check my oil and all my fluids and and things like that. Um, I will say I don't know. I could figure out how to change a tire, but I can't say, oh, yeah, I can change a tire. I could figure it out. See, and here's but the my nice, kid can change a tire. Yeah, see, and the thing about <laughs> these things, I mean, they're, they're very simple. They're very easy to learn. Uh, when my my daughter bought her car, I was so proud of her the day she bought her car home because she literally said, hey, dad, come outside and show me how to do these things. Yeah. I was like, oh, my daughter. But <laughs> but at the same time, Check I was the like, air in your tires yeah, and, you know, yeah. know what, how many pounds you should have. And yeah. Same, and the same thing with home repairs. It doesn't, you don't have to know how to remodel your bathroom but it would be good if you at least understood how to maybe shut the water off if you have a plumbing leak yeah 
there's there's little things. I mean, little tiny things that you can do that will make your repair costs so much lower. Uh -huh. um, how to how to patch some drywall? It's not difficult. Maybe yeah. how to repair a, a broken tile. These are things that can that you can do that will save yourselves a lot of time, a lot of money, and they will also give you the the appreciation for what it is that you actually have. Yes. Yes, I think that's huge. Yeah, I agree. I think it, knowing the basics definitely goes a long way. It saves you money anyway. You got to call somebody for the the you know the most basic thing. If you have a bit of an understanding, if you have a leaky tap, understand you know what what that is, and you could figure out. Come on, you can look to Google for everything else. <laughs> yeah, you know Google about cha changing that. Yeah, YouTube about getting another washer or you know. YouTube is a great resource when it comes to s small home repairs. It really uh -huh. is. Um, I have, I have sent people to YouTube when they've called me up. I, it, you know, by now everybody knows I own a construction company. So when someone says my tap is leaking, could you come? How much would you charge to come and change out my faucet? Uh -huh. Well, to change out a faucet. You can buy a faucet at your local hardware store for anywhere between twenty and three hundred dollars. Yeah, to it quite varies. Right, and it takes about an hour to an hour and a half for a skilled person. So it might take someone who is not skilled maybe two to two and a half hours. It's not a big difference in time mm -hmm. that it takes to do this. So. Yeah. What I tell people is I said, you'd be better off to go to YouTube and just search for how to change a faucet because it will tell you step by step. You can go to your hardware store. You can do it yourself. It's very simple. And it will save you about $300 in labor costs because that's what it would, yeah. that's what we would charge $300 to go install a faucet plus the cost of the faucet. So you could be into it if you got a nice fancy faucet. You could be into it, you know, five, six hundred dollars before your day's done. And that five, six hundred dollars could go a long ways in having fun with your family. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely helpful to know. Definitely. So, the so next one I think goes back to money. Yeah. What? I don't want to beat up on this one a whole lot. No. Because, no, because uh, it got, yeah. Personal credit and credit cards, yeah. Again, that's looking at handling money and interest rates, and uh, that goes in with your money, your budget, investing, credit, all of that stuff. So let's not even, yeah. But I will, I will echo what Dave Ramsey says about this. Do not, do not, do not get a credit card. Cut them up if you have them. Just let them go. Pay them off. Leave them alone. Prepaid credit cards are the only way to go. You can do yes. everything with a prepaid credit card that you can with a regular credit card. Yeah. Order stuff online. You can because you, uh, you sort hotels. of need one to do certain things. Certain things, like if right. you want to make reservations. Yep. You know things like that, but you know I have one that's like a reloadable. So yep. it's like a permanent, I have it all the time. So I don't go and buy those ones that you can buy. I have one that's reloadable. Yep. So I just go and load it up and put some cash on it. And, just, you know, it, and I'll, it'll just stay there. Yeah. Because if the cash isn't on there, you're not buying it. It's just, it's, you're not going to get yourself yeah, into trouble with interest rates. You, 
if you do need to order something, then it's your money. You're not, you know. Exactly. So sometimes I'll put a hundred bucks on there and just leave it just in case something comes up and it's online and I need to, you know, order or whatever. And that way you don't have to worry about people being compromised. God, some people I know like three times they've been, they, they've been compromised and they have to get a new credit card because yeah. someone's charged thousands of dollars on their credit card. Like, yeah, yeah. safer anyway. So there's that. Number the 10. next one. Number 10, cooking. Important. Yes, very important. And that goes along with cleaning and laundry, things like that. Now, they have, they do go through that. They do teach cooking here in school. Yeah. I don't know about like, they, where you are. They used I think to. that is something that they do teach. Not they a lot. To. They go through a little segment of it, but I get, they get an idea of it. But I think that you teach that at home. Yeah. And it's, well, cooking here, they used to have home economics class. Yeah. And uh, they've, they've since cut that class because for whatever reason, um, primarily budget and school, the, the way the budgets are run in the schools, they don't have the yeah. funds to support a lot of these extracurriculars anymore. So, Which um, is, those are the things they should, be, those are the basics. Those are some life skills they should be teaching, right. but they cut those. So that's that's one that they cut out of the schools, but um, you know that is something that should be learned at home. And I know, well, yeah, from an early age. I mean, I remember with our daughters, they wanted to be involved so much in the kitchen. We would, you know, we it got to a certain point at a certain age, they started being able to cut certain things, or they, you know, started off by washing vegetables or whatever, but. Getting them involved in the in the kitchen at an early age, you know, three, four years old, it's not a bad thing. It, it's no. one, and it's just something that they'll eventually grow up with, to where at the when they do get into their early teens and their preteens, and they can start cooking meals for themselves and for for the family. Yeah, yeah, it might not be gourmet, but you never know. It, they might turn out to be the next Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think they need to know, you know, basically how to sustain themselves and then, you know, cleaning. If you're going to have your own place, like you have to they have to know that like toilets aren't self-cleaning. Like your Yeah. <laughs> your bathtub isn't self-cleaning. Like someone has been cleaning these things. <laughs> so, you know, and teaching how you have to clean things and the importance of it. And you can't just let things like fester in your fridge because, oh my God, you're going to get sick and that's why. And doing laundry. So those things, like those are basic. And that's not hard to teach. Come on, you're doing it anyway at home. Teach your kids. Yeah. So enough said, I think. It's pretty common sense. But not taught in school. That's taught at home. Yeah, it is taught. It, it's, but it's, then there is some, I don't know, some parents who are slobs too. So I don't know. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it comes with, uh, it, it, yeah. I think that one's one of those things where it is monkey see, monkey do. The kids are going to take after their parents if they have a good, if they have a good representation of what is expected from their parents, then they're going to carry yeah. that on. I, that, that's at least that's what I think about the cleaning and stuff like that. Exactly. And yeah, you're right. It's not taught in school because we're going through a list of 20 life skills not taught in schools. That's right. It's not taught in school a little bit, but not that much. So the next one, 
The next one is one that it isn't because it's automatically separate and uh, it's just that's just the way it is. It's separate. Um, and if you try and go that way, you're going to have major uproar and pushback from parents. And that's ways, yeah. the Bible. Yeah. And I am one of those parents. I don't believe yeah. that the Bible should be taught in school whatsoever. Uh-huh. I believe that that's something that uh, should be taught in the home. I think it's something that should be, you know, that should be something that is inside the family because not everybody's uh-huh. going to have the same religious beliefs. Yeah. And if you put it in the schools, now you have to teach every one of them. You have to talk about the Quran. You have to talk about the Bible. You have to talk about uh, all the different religions. And maybe that is something that should be then. Maybe there no. should be a, uh, a theologian class in school where they are taught about, you know, the main big religions of the world so that there isn't things like these, you know, wars that have just gone on and on and on so that there isn't this um, <clears throat> divisiveness and this racism that racism in within religion going on. Maybe it should be not the Bible specifically, but I don't know. Maybe it should at least be brought up. You know, everybody's got the same goal. They just have a different way of getting there. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I just said, no, it shouldn't be in schools. If that's a, if that's a path if that's a path you want to take, then there's secondary schools for that stuff. Well, that's there is not, there is classes yeah, for that. That's not something that I think should be at the basic level of of, of schools. Yeah, there because there's too much of a risk of um personal input. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we so. have a we have a, a choir teacher. Her husband happens to be a pastor, so everything that they sing in choir is all. R- religious religion based mm. and there's a lot of yeah. parents a lot of parents that have taken their children out of choir because of that yeah uh so that's well yeah uh, i mean that's inputting their personal right beliefs absolutely yeah so, yeah number 12 next manners manners that's that, and that's this. I think that again, is taught in school. This again, well, this is one of those things. Not. I think is one of those things that goes back to the family, but it, it's it's um, uh, uh, supported in the schools. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's it's something that the foundation begins in the in the family, but it definitely should be something that is is uh, carried on through school. I, you know. We were always taught to respect your elders, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, yes, sir, no, ma'am, you know, things like yeah. that. Uh, we were always taught that if we didn't behave in public, we were going to get smacked upside the head. And if we did <laughs> act out in public, we got smacked upside the head in public. Yeah. And that doesn't happen anymore, but we still have to reinforce those those uh, values in our children. I- Oh, absolutely. I do think, you know, I, I'm just surprised that this is on the list and I, and maybe it's just such a general thing, but I think manners are taught in school. In elementary school, you're taught to, you know, all those different things. That's a basic, manners are basic things, you know, yeah. please and thank you and sharing. And I think that it is taught in school though. And, and it is sort of in the day to day operations in school. If a student, 
you know, talks a certain way to a teacher that's very disrespectful. I mean, it's, it's pointed out. It's like, that's disrespectful. I mean, if you want to get deep into, if they're meaning deep into manners, then I think you're getting into etiquette maybe. So. Yeah. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. I think that's one of their main Main classes, main things they do is talk about manners. Teach about manners. manners. So right. it is. So, yeah. I mean, you may at, at a certain not point, the most important thing if you get along in school. Right. But, but at a certain point, it. it kind of leans leans out a little bit. You don't get as much manner speak. But uh, yeah. there comes a certain point where you, as a child, uh, I don't know if that's fourth, fifth grade, whatever. You know, By the time they're in middle school, they've got the manners thing down pretty good. Either they're very good about it or they're not good at all about it. So, all right, they're challenging it at that or, point. Or at least challenging it, yeah. I think, <laughs> and by the time they're in high school, they're going to challenge it all. So, <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. But yes, it's something, yes. you know, once we get out of school, once we get out of college, once we get into our everyday lives, those are things that those foundations definitely should be there. Mm-hmm. And I think they are for the most part, yeah. really. I mean, I just- we can all like forget a thank you once in a while or a please but we all know that we all know that so and the I next the next seven bullshit. you know the, the the final 10 i mean we, we we're in the we're in the back side here of everything so number 10 was cooking so just to kind of go back over the first 10 real quick just just to kind of remind you the the first one being conversation second being thinking third one was how to handle your money. The fourth being dating and relationships. The fifth one being government. The sixth, how to survive in, without certain technology. Number seven, home repair and owner's insurance. Like I said, we, we really talked mainly about home repair and car repair together as seven and eight. Number nine being personal credit cards. We kind of lumped that back with the finance. And then the cooking. Now, the, number 11 being the Bible, number 12 being the manners. Now, you're starting to see a little bit of a ch- shift here. Some of these last 10 are more subjective. Uh-huh. But I think very important, and I think these are the ones that I'd like to see a bit more in school, actually, that I think would be useful. Not the next one. No, the next one. I The next one. <laughs> the next one shocked me. <sighs> And maybe, you know what, that just speaks to the day and age that we're in. Maybe, yeah. maybe it needs to be. I don't know. Like, maybe it needs to be. If it's that important and causes that much of an uproar, maybe it needs to be. Well, it, and it goes, the first, the first line of the, this topic, and we're talking about guns. I'm, I apologize. I didn't say what the, thir- the 13th one is, and that's guns. It says the first line in here says there was a recent time in this country in which high school students could drive trucks with gun racks on their back window and a shotgun used for squirrel hunting on the rack to school. And that's absolutely right. Yeah, but not everywhere, though. I mean, no, not everywhere. But I, I remember going to school when I was a kid when deer hunting season was would open up. Yeah. Every kid that would go deer hunting had a deer uh, a deer a shotgun in the back window of their truck so they could go deer hunting right after school yeah uh, we would even take school off we we we'd literally cut school for 3 days at the opening of deer hunting and it was accepted by the school yeah yeah 
Yeah. So I, I don't. Ha- I can't speak a lot to that because that just isn't. The, that just does not exist. <laughs> I mean, I know. You know, it doesn't exist in Canada. It's just not a thing. But I might, I remember a lot of stories. My dad, who was one of 10 kids, grew up on a farm. I mean, they had guns. You know, they went hunting. My dad wasn't really big into it. It bothered him. But, um, you know, we've got his gun, my, um, that my brother has that was passed down. Uh, my dad's favorite gun was a, at the time that my dad was young, it was a hundred years old at Winchester. Yeah. Uh, my dad liked it. And that, is something that's getting passed down, but I, that's not a big thing in, uh, our laws are very different up here in Canada. It's not, I don't, it's not a common thing to own a gun. And in here where it's extremely common to own a gun, um, you know, there does need to be more, more firearm education. Absolutely. There needs to be more, um, strict laws, I think, uh, about, and I know this goes against everything that gun ownership and second amenders want to talk about, but I do believe there should be more strict laws as to how you obtain them as far as uh, having gone through courses, having gone to and showed that you can operate it safely and effectively. Uh, and I know that the, I wouldn't the be people against are going to be there yelling. being classes in school. Well, where it, they have somebody come in that teaches them how to shoot properly and and there's a shooting range and I mean if that is you know you're if those are the laws in your country and it is so prevalent yes. and it is a big part of some cultures down there I, I think it should be yeah we, we in school during uh, physical education we used to go out and go skeet shooting there's they, yeah. before we went skeet shooting we had a week long class on gun safety there's uh-huh. absolutely nothing wrong with that in my opinion i i believe no. that children should i taught my children how to shoot uh guns from an early age at 4 years uh-huh. old my oldest daughter was shooting an ar15 my youngest yeah. daughter shot a pistol at 3 years old my wife has shot you know, there's there's certain things. And now a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was in the military and my job yeah. in the military, my rifle was my primary tool. I was an infantryman. So that was my primary tool. Mm-hmm. So it was very important for me to have my children not only understand how they operate, but understand that I know how to operate it. And that tool is just that. It's a tool. It mm-hmm. is not dangerous in and itself. Yeah. It's not going to hurt yeah. anybody unless the person operating it uses it in in a fashion that would harm somebody. Yeah. So I I, I, I wanted that, to make sure they understood the consequences of what could happen if that tool was used inappropriately. Yeah. I think it definitely should be an option. Maybe you know maybe it's an elective. Maybe it's not mandatory, but at, at least it's there. I don't know, but I think that given the um, nature of where we are right now in the world, I think that's definitely useful. And it's one of those, you have to be able to look at it objectively. You may not be someone who's a a fan of guns. I I don't, I personally don't see the the necessity, the need to own a gun. 
but I grew up that way here. I've never needed one. I've never been in a situation that I need one. Um, I've never shot one. I'd like to try it one day, but you know, I think that, but I, but then I don't see the harm in learning it. My son has gone through a whole training in that and how to properly shoot. And he really enjoyed it. And, you know, he did that for a while and, and was in a competition and was a sharpshooter. And I don't see any problems with that. So, you know, you have to think objectively. Uh, it's not in, it's not part of my world, but I don't see anything wrong with it. So. Well, in a world right now where it's getting a kill is celebrated and glorified in in video games. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a really, a, I think there is a necessity for, for people to understand the finality of the, of the results of what happens. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's all fun and games until someone dies. Yeah. Until like, you can't hit that reset button and start over. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just, exactly. it's what it is. Yeah. Um, and I do yeah. see, I do see the necessity uh, for having a firearm. I do understand the the aspect of the sport of hunting and things like that i i get it uh-huh. but just to own a gun to say hey i own a gun that's not good enough for me yeah that is not something oh it's for self-defense well what in your life is so dangerous that you have to have a gun if there's exactly. if there's some, if there's something so dangerous in your life that you have to own a gun maybe you should think about changing your lifestyle just saying. Maybe number 16 would be more <laughs> yeah. helpful. So, number 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number 14. Uh, very useful, yeah. I would say. But you know what? Again, we're, this is a very general list and very regional because the next one, finding a job. My son's in a class now that is all about that and finding a job and the different resources and all of that. And they did go through that when I was in school. So I think it depends on the school. I mean, school boards come up with a curriculum. So that is here about finding a job and not just look through the want ads. They go quite in depth in it. So I'm happy with that. I think that's good. I love this one. This one here goes back to the survival skills one. I I really do. I think this should have been higher on the list. Number three, probably, because yeah, every one of us at some point in our lives, our parents, our teachers, somebody has asked us the question, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh-huh. Well, teaching uh, skills and finding a job, helping someone understand what goes into getting that job, building a, building a good resume, having the correct yeah. education to be able to qualify yourself and and being able to have the experience to qualify you for a certain job. Yeah, or think outside the box yeah. in terms of finding a job as well. Right. And you shouldn't have to settle for a job. You shouldn't. If you mm-hmm. if you knew up front how to find the job that you want versus how to just find a job in the want ads you could plan, you could create those, those paths to be able to get those jobs that you want. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. love this one. I absolutely think this is amazing. Absolutely. And I would go even further with this one. I would add in um, how to like create your own job and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Because that should be the next gone one. <laughs> are those days of, get a job and being set for the rest of your life and have a pension. Like that's long gone. There's no security. 
there there are in in some industries there still are in some but but not like it was not like it used to be no i mean you yeah. you fell into the same trap get a job for the government it'll yeah. be there forever yeah they're not there forever yeah. either anymore that's right so yeah find a job how to create a job for yourself and you know or start a business all together that needs to be yeah higher up on the list. That's what I'm saying. Why these last few that we're going through, I think those need to be up more. That those are the things that I'd like to see. Um, like the next one, number 15 is healthcare. Well, healthcare, and that's not just like to shop around, find the best provider up here. It's different in Canada. Everybody has the same, it's universe. It's available for everybody. Um, but I would put that further healthcare in terms of prevention, and being healthy and taking your health into your own hands and questioning uh, doctors and not being uh, so ready to fill that prescription and being knowledgeable. I would take that even further. I think that's very useful. It absolutely is useful. If you know, you, you only you knows what your body is actually feeling like. Nobody yeah. else Nobody else can tell exactly what you feel like when they ask you, what's your pain on the scale of one to 10 and you say an eight. Well, that leaves them wondering, well, what, what's an eight? You know, what's an eight to me is like excruciating, but an eight to you might be, well, that's what I live with. Yeah. Uh, so only, you know what your body is. So only, so in order to understand your, yourself in a way where you can, I don't want to say self medicate, but at the same time, uh, find ways of alleviating some of the problems and maybe even preventing some of the problems by understanding what's available to you without having to run to the doctor and just get the next prescription. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And that could be a lot of things. That could be a mindset thing. It could be getting into meditation. It could be um, CBD products are a big thing now. Um, you know, prevention goes a long way. So, you know, maybe it's more alternative things. Maybe it's, you know, there's so many people have, that have been misdiagnosed in their life when they just had a feeling, but because the doctors all knowing God, which they're not, um, yeah, you know, people will just accept when, like you said, you know, your body and you know, that just, that doesn't work. You just know it. So, um, I think we're in a time where you have to take you have to be taught about healthcare. And I think that's where you teach also there are alternative ways. Look, these ways have existed long before Western medicine came in. For some people, it works wonders. You know, they tell, they, everybody has heard the, the saying, an ounce, of pre, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's so mm -hmm. true. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that is, I agree on this list. Teach it. Have somebody come in and teach a little bit on that. Absolutely. And you know what? You could have like, you know, where it was like in those days when kids, used, their parents came in and talked about what they did. Mm -hmm. Maybe those parents can come in and maybe I'm sure there's parents that, you know, are, have been herbalists for 20 plus years that can come in and do like a few classes and, and teach on a few different things. Right. Like there's just so many ways that it can be done. So oh, I, absolutely. I absolutely agree with this list on that healthcare. Yeah. The mm -hmm. next one. It, very important, I think, uh, especially – I don't want – I hate to say especially for girls because I don't like that – I don't like the us versus them type of thing. But 
we are not as strong as men. That And although, yes, there are some women that can kick a guy's ass, typically men are just physically stronger, can overpower. So self-defense, I think, is important. It's but guys important. can use it too because you could get ganged on by a bunch of people. So I think that is important. Self-defense is one of those things that it's, it's, it's so important, but not just to defend yourself from an attacker. There's other things that come into learning self-defense that play into your overall psyche. Uh, yeah. The increased self-confidence and the self, mm. uh, increased self-awareness. Um, the, the ability to, to communicate your intentions without having to go into a, a, a violent altercation. Mm. So there's a lot that goes into this that's not just about learning how to fight and defend yourself. Exactly. If you need to stand up for someone else. My my mom, when I was a kid, my mom was a, a brown belt in judo. So from the time I think I was about three years old, my mom started teaching us judo and then wrestling and things like that. Cool. Um, and that was, that was one of those things that bonded, bonded us. So when, as I grew older, I kept into the whole self-defense thing, gone through Krav Maga, uh, some Taekwondo, some different uh, areas of martial arts. So mm-hmm. as I got older, those things helped me along as far as confidence and the ability to do those things I was talking about earlier. But I pass that on to my daughters when they're little. Now, you have to be careful when you're teaching girls self-defense when they're children, little children. Why? Because they tend to use those things on their cousins. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had to uh, break my nephew out of a Kimura lock when he was when they were like seven years old because she had she'd almost broke his arm. Oh shit. But uh yeah, so there's 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 a fine line <laughs> where you have to start teaching them and maybe explaining to them don't do certain things on your cousins or family members cuz they can hurt really bad. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, it, the things just understanding how to utilize these things it, it mean it does more for the psyche than it does actually for your ability to defend yourself because you can take all the martial arts classes in the world and there's always going to be somebody out there that is able to beat you, whether it be with a gun, a knife, whatever it is. Yeah. There's always going to be someone. Now, yeah, you can defend yourself against a knife. You can defend yourself to some de- some degree against a gun. But you can't defend yourself from everything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The next one is important and i think we, oh my god like schools have gone i think oh god this everyone is gets a ribbon one. learning from failure probably the most important thing here this this is uh this probably should have been number 1 <laughs> it's, it should be pretty high up there well yeah. that's what i'm saying see all these last ones like finding a job in healthcare like all these things are ones that I would definitely like to see learning from failure. They've kind of gone the other way. And I like everybody gets a ribbon, like the participation kids fucking hate those, you know, they, well, yeah, they absolutely do because they want because to they have a winner stupid. and a loser. 
when they lose, they feel bad. Yes, we get it. You feel bad. I remember losing my very first wrestling match as a kid. I was crying. I was distraught. I didn't take losing well. But at the same time, if I hadn't lost, what would that have taught me? Nothing. Uh-huh. Now there's no winner. There's no looter. What's the score? I don't know. There's no scoreboard anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing to measure yourself against, and it's really measuring against yourself. It's, you know, how can I do better than next time? How can I better myself? If you don't know what you're doing wrong, you don't know what you can fix. Exactly, and kids know that this is stupid. They really do. Like, come on, give them some credit. They're not dumb. They're like, yay, you did great, and the kid's thinking, no, I didn't. I lost. I was like, last. This is I like fell in the field. <laughs> See, like, now you had this to pick is me up. like kids know it's wrong. And this is the beginning of the entitlement attitude that some millennial people have. It it, it really is because and it was, maybe it is. Yeah, it was and our maybe generation. It, it was our generation. The parents of these millennials that said, "You know what? We didn't like the feeling of what it was like to lose, so we don't want our children to feel that loss." We want them to feel accomplished all the time. It was us that made this horrible mistake and and took away that uh, that ability to learn from failure. Which really just screws them up longer because the world doesn't work that way. No, it really doesn't. You know, from the time we're born, from the day we're born, we learn from failure. The day we're born, we start learning from yeah. failure. So... The failures might be very small by the day we're born, but we start to learn from failure the day we're born. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd pop out and start walking right away. Every one of us would be Nobel Peace Prize winning whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That really interfered doing that. And I think they're now we're starting to see, okay, that didn't work so well doing that. So I think we're going to see a change in that for sure. It's coming back around now, right? Like it's kind of got bit in the ass and now they're like, okay, this is stupid. It didn't work. Let's do something different. Exactly. We learning, we're learning from that failure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The next one, I agree. And I must admit that I don't really have much. I don't, well, I don't have any training beyond putting a bandaid on, um, is first aid. Yeah. I, I think that is definitely would be useful. Someone's choking. I mean, I knew how to, I learned some of it in prenatal classes, like if my baby was, mm-hmm. but I like, or a child, but I didn't really, like I, if somebody was like needed help, like I wouldn't, or I had a major gash. Well, I guess I somewhat do, but yeah, I think some basic first aid is probably, you know, someone gets knocked out or. Yeah, you know, it's it's important if someone cuts themselves, it's important to understand that spitting on it, rubbing some dirt in it and telling them to walk it off is not proper first aid. <laughs> we like to make jokes about that kind of stuff, but you'd be surprised in how many people really have no clue when it comes to first aid. They freak out when when they when something happens to somebody yeah. else and they completely lose it. Yeah. Um, you know, my first my first interaction with first aid was was Boy Scouts in, when I was a kid. And so there are places where people are taught these things, but not yeah. everybody has this ability. Schools yeah. absolutely should. I yeah. got certified. They should, because shit happens at school. Yeah. 
I got certified in first aid in school. My, my, uh, uh, I think it was a seventh or eighth grade health teacher was a paramedic. So one of the things that they want, he wanted to include in his curriculum was teaching first aid and not just teaching it, but also certifying the kids in first aid and CPR. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Well, I know they do offer it through, uh, Logan school. You'll see it, you know, you'll have a notice. I'll get an email, but it's extra. Like it's not part of the curriculum. It's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're bringing somebody in to teach this. So it's extra and it costs a lot of money. Right. So, you know, not everybody is going, not everybody has that money. Not, some parents can't, can barely put lunch for their kids. So, you know, you're bringing in these extra classes, which are life saving and they can't afford that. So this should, this should be part of the curriculum. It really should be. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, maybe if they would, uh, you know, legalize marijuana, they can afford to be able to do, put that into the curriculum. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then that's yeah. something you'd have to go and listen to last week's episode about. So check that out. <laughs> that's right. But uh, So no, then it, we're getting down to the last two, which I think is important too. Um, time management. That could probably go in with some other things, you know, as far as, you know. I don't know, basic life, cooking, cleaning, laundry, finding a job, time management, showing up to your job on time. Yeah, time management skills are important, but they're, I don't know, in, in today's way of doing things, time management I don't think is nearly as important as uh, a skill to learn. I, I think that just falls into responsibility of the individual in, in the course that they decide to take in their in their life. Yeah. So I agree. Time management. You have to show up to class on time, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing for some people. Um, but I'm not a fan of the whole concept of time management anyway. I think if you're struggling with something, it's sort of like it's telling you something. Maybe you shouldn't be doing it. But well, let's let's look at it from this other this other perspective just for a second. Okay, so time management. Let's let's discuss this for a second. It's a big topic too. There are people out there who believe that you wake up early in the morning at 4 a.m., go to the gym, and then you go throughout your day, and it, and you're done by 6 o'clock, and then you're in bed by 8 o'clock. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. There are other people, and let's say uh, one of them happens to be Bill Gates, the other one being Steve Jobs, one of them being, uh, let's see, uh, what's the other guy's name, um, Elon Musk. I just named three of the most successful people in the world in the world and all of them don't operate on a time schedule. Every one of them, their days, some of their days are 36 hours long. Some of their days are only 10 hours long. Some of their days are two hours long. It, it, they don't base what they do on time. They base what they do on completion of a project and passion and passion. Yeah, So exactly. Time management to me definitely isn't something that I hold extremely high in regard, but it's something that you have to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you have a job and you work for someone else, you can't say, I didn't really feel inspired to come in today. Right. That just ain't going to fly. So yeah. And I've never been a fan of the whole time management. Never, never, never. Because I'm more about understanding how I work, what gets me going, 
am I forcing something I shouldn't be doing? Is it trying to tell me something? A time management to me, all I get from that is here's a bunch of shit that you have to do that you hate doing that you don't want to do. And here's how to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to get it done in the amount of time that I'm given to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. As, and it's killing you while you're doing it. I don't like that. So I don't think this should be, I don't think it's part of it at all. I think responsibility, if you have a job, then you're responsible and, you know, if you've got bills to pay, then you be responsible. And, you know, like, I think that's a given type thing. I don't, Yeah, I'm taking that off the list. And the last one. <laughs> but it's up to you. Think, we're, we're, that's our opinion. Whatever you, your, your, your opinion is really what matters as well. So. Yeah. But if you're hating everything and you're like, then. Check it out. Yeah, just maybe it's up. not management of time. Maybe it's management of like your life. And you need to look at. Yeah. And the last one, law, the law. This is a big topic too, because I mean, how the law, like how deep do you want to go into the law? But I mean, you know, I think the basics. And this goes back to government as well, understanding how it works, understanding how laws become, why the laws are there to begin with. And it's not just about obeying the law. It's, it's about understanding the law. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have, yeah. I think, a basic understanding of the law. Uh, how it yeah, works, like, how it gets brought people. in. Well, that's morals. That's a moral issue. <laughs> no, that's so a, law. a law. It is a law, <laughs> yes, but it's also a moral, a moral issue. Yeah, you should know. Just don't kill somebody. Don't do something. Yeah. You know, don't steal from people. Those are the big that be ones. Good manners too. But there, I mean, <laughs> but there's small laws. There's 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 even the small laws. If you if you go onto Google and you Google laws from different states, you're going to find laws that were put in place basically because somebody saw a way that they could bring money into their economy and they put this law in the books. Now, a lot of these laws are no longer in force, but they're still there. For example, mm-hmm. one of the laws yeah. I want to say in Colorado was it's illegal to to hand feed white bunnies or something stupid to that effect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely abs- absurd. Yeah. Um, there's still a law here in Rapid City where you're no longer allowed to park or to tie up your horse on Main Street. You have to go two streets over to tie up your horse. Well, people don't ride horses into town anymore, but yeah. the law is still there. It's still an act of law. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's one of those local things, right? Know your local laws because it's not necessarily the same everywhere, but that's sort of an interesting, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you would teach specifically. I don't know. That's that's a really big subject, um, and that's something that I, I think, you know, in, input um, on a local level. Well, this is why lawyers make so much money is because they can interpret these laws to be able to protect the civilian population from unfair and unjust laws. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some definitely good things here for sure. I think there's some that it's like, "Mm, no, Um, you can't put all of, I mean, look at, we went through 20 things and we didn't even talk about reading and math and English and, history and the like, obvious. holy crap, there's only so much time in a day. So yeah, there's some things that aren't taught in schools. They just can't be, they can't do everything. 
No, no, they can't. But um, I definitely think that there's some things that it could at least get started because I know there's some things that kids will bring home to their parents and then it gets the parents thinking and then it's a whole new thing. And with the rise of education in this, in well, all over the world, it's just, it, there's not, there's no way to be able to teach everything in, in a way no. that people are going to come out of school and just be the perfect human, whatever society says the yeah. perfect human is. It's just not possible. No. And I think we, it's a personal responsibility to be, you know, to, to, to learn things. I think, you know, natural curiosity. Oh, I want to know how to do that. Oh, I want to know how to do this. I, I think, you know, you can also teach the resourcefulness out of somebody. So you don't want to do that too much either. I mean, there's a balance, but I definitely think that there's some things that are taught that are just not. And you know what? You don't want to be totally adulting all the time, no. which is, this is what we've been talking about. Like, then you got the other side where people are so flipping serious that they just don't know how to lighten up and enjoy and laugh a little bit more. So I think <clears throat> we can learn from the Manalis, the millennials too. Oh yeah. They know how they, to have fun. Yeah. They, yeah. they know how to cut loose and have fun and they, for and be whatever, lazy. whatever reason, it I don't know where it comes from other than, you know, maybe video games. I don't know. But, uh, the thing is, is we all deserve that, that moment, that, that time where we can just sit back, do nothing, not care about anything, just hang out, spend that time with people that you care about or just spend it by yourself. There's mm. a lot of value in just spending a little bit of alone time. So. Yeah. Because I think also the thing, you know, what we grew up with, there was that whole, unless you're not like bleeding out your eyeballs and suffering and, you know, unless it's hard, it's not valuable. And I think the millennials came along to go, look, it doesn't always have to be so hard. Right. Yeah. So thank you millennials for that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can rest. Yeah. CJ. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm still learning. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, I don't want to really do a whole lot of adulting for the rest of today either. So, <laughs> And you shouldn't. You need to get better. <sighs> well, folks, that is our show on adulting. Tell us what you think. Go on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash grit and grace TV. And let us know. Yeah, let us know it. where you are on this. Tell us what your opinions are because we would love to share your opinions with the world as much as we like to share our own your opinions counts just as much so tell us what you mm -hmm. think yeah we want to hear it we start the conversation so we started it here's 20 things not taught in schools what do you think you know we hear these discussions all the time as parents and things that we use now as opposed to what we were taught so yeah let us know what you think what is it like where you are would you add to this list and you absolutely do that and if you know, and we want to hear from you. And if you enjoy our show, you know, hit the review section on our Facebook page as well. Let us know what you think. Rate us. Leave a comment. What do you want to hear? Um, let us know that you enjoyed it so we know we're heading on the right path. We appreciate that so much. So until next week, everybody, thank you for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be seeing you. Bye for now. 
please don't forget to share, like, and tell your friends about Grit and Grace. This is the big voice, Spike Reel. So long.